What is up, Steeler Nation? Welcome back to another exciting episode of State of the Steelers. I'm your Steel Curtain Network host, Daniel J. And today we're diving deep into the heart of training camp as the pads come on for the first time this year, ramping up the intensity. Just want to remind you guys, tonight is Friday Night Lights. It's the first taste of game-like action this year. Weather permitting, of course, last year I went out there to Latrobe and Lorraine kind of had other plans for me when it came to Friday Night Lights. But hey, if you're out there capturing the action, don't forget to share your videos and photos with me on Twitter You can or X now. Uh, you can find me uh, at handle at State of Steelers. All right, y'all, let's dive into it. So let's kick things off talking about some recent free agent acquisitions. Uh, one big one in particular, Omar Khan does it again, the con artist. Uh, adding new inside linebacker Quan Alexander. Alexander's an athletic linebacker who brings much-needed depth and coverage skills to our linebacking court. You know, the coverage aspect of it is where I think that he's going to play a pivotal role uh, on this team. You know, I think he goes, his acquisition makes him the best interior linebacker on the team as far as coverage goes he's got a little bit of injury issue so we'll see how how that goes and I think that's why his one-year deal looks the way it does you know his dear his deal is a total of a little over 1.3 million which includes a $152,000 signing bonus but only a salary cap charge of just over a million dollars now he's wearing 26 so far in camp I don't know if I like it you know be honest with you 20 numbers interior linebackers it just doesn't look right for me and so uh, I'm thinking maybe perhaps once the season starts, if Anthony McFarland makes a team who's also wearing 26 and who's making a really big argument for making the 53, uh, you know, we'll see who ends up wearing it. Uh, my opinion or my hopes are that it won't be be Quan Alexander. I personally would like to see a single digit number, but we all know how the Steelers are as far as their traditions go. All right, let's talk about some injuries. Now, when it comes to the injury aspect of this, um, there's two huge ones. Or, or long ones, and you have running back Alfonso Graham and seventh-round rookie Corey Trice, who are both out for the entirety of the season. Corey Trice suffered a uh, non-contact knee injury, and Alfonso Graham had a uh, torn right labrum. So unfortunate for these two guys. These guys were battling it out for depth positions, possibility to be on the 53, and unfortunate uh, that their season came to an end. Now, the other room that's been hit the most when it comes to injury uh, is a safety room. You know, Keanu Neal, right now, because of, uh, you know, the that the Steelers are just in training camp setting, a lot of details don't need to be given out about the significant, the, the, the specifics of the injuries. So majority of the injuries that we are aware of, they uh, are undisclosed. So safety Keanu Neal had an undisclosed injury. Uh, Mike Tomlin has not given specific details yet. DeMonte Casey had an ankle injury. The severity remains to, you know, still remains to be determined and undisclosed. And uh, standout safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, also has been absent from training camp, uh, which has been attributed to personal reasons. Um, You know, when it comes to Fitzpatrick, though, his experience and leadership for whatever time loss on the on this portion of the uh, developmental aspect of the season, in my opinion, will have little to no effect on his play on the field. I do think it's important with so many pieces new to the secondary and Mika Fitzpatrick being one of the few, you know, incumbents when it comes to uh, the secondary, I, I would have preferred to have him out there, but obviously he's going through some personal stuff. Coach T is okay with it. So hopefully he, uh, whatever it is, gets resolved you know, soon and 
and he'll be making his way back onto the team. You know, hopefully whatever he's going through, it's, you know, our prayers go out to you. I'm not sure what it is, but um, hopefully it's nothing too crazy. A defensive lineman, DeMarvin Leal, found himself on the sidelines after suffering an ankle injury during a pass drill. Uh, the injury occurred late in the uh, training day as Leal's left ankle was inadvertently rolled up, uh, leading to his removal from the practice field. Uh, again, more further evaluation determined the severity. Um, you know, there's nothing yet at this time, but it's important for Leal to get on the field. I mean, he's a guy that was moved around last year. He's a second-year guy. I think that maybe perhaps the Steelers are going to try to find a niche for this young man and put him in one position. And, you know, he needs to learn that one position. And, you know, your best availability or your best <laughs> your best ability is availability. And not being on the field, especially during this developmental crucial portion of the season for a young defensive player is, is important. It's, it's, uh, it, it definitely is. Um, and the last run, um, last injury we have is uh, running back John Lovett. Yeah, he was absent of practice following his participation in back on backers drill where he was tattooed twice by Landon Roberts. Now, I'm not sure if those hits had anything to do with his injury. His injury is, has been undisclosed, but Landon Roberts apparently did have a, a day with John Lovett. Well, that's all I have at the time of this recording as far as injuries go. Now, let's get into this. Let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the padded training camp and the offense and the defense. Now, I think everybody's talking about the catch seen around the world. It's gone viral. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens over George, uh, over Joey Porter. You know, I can explain the the catch just like that. I can try to do my best NFL films impression and and, and describe this catch, including including the banter that occurred after the fact. Well, let's see. Let me try this. Let's see what you guys think. The jarring applause of training camp observers reverberated across the field as George Pickens, the second-year sensation, etched his name in camp folklore with a jaw-dropping, one-handed mossing of Joey Porter Jr. This spectacular feat, born from a masterful delivery by Kenny Pickett, ignited conversations that transcended the boundaries of the practice field. The phones, computers, and TVs across the nation. Porter's coverage was commendable, but it was Pickens' gravity-defying catch that stole the limelight. In a captivating twist, Pickens and Porter engaged in playful exchange, encapsulating competitive spirit that fuels these battles. The fiery exchange on the football after the catch symbolized a camaraderie fueled by rivalry as Pickens seized the opportunity to playfully underscore his dominance. I hope you all like that. <laughs> so basically what I was trying to say is it was a huge one honey catch over George, Joey Porter Jr. Down the sideline on a pass from Kenny Pickett that obviously went viral. You know, Porter wasn't in bad coverage. You know, he was he was there. It was a, an incredible catch by a person that can only do George picking things, in my opinion. But we'll talk more about Joey Porter in the second half of the show. Now, after the catch, uh, Pickens jumped up and handed the ball over to Porter. Uh, the second round pick fired the ball back at his teammate's head. Uh, you know, fortunately, Pickens didn't began to celebrate with his, you know, members and didn't turn into a huge fight. Right. But, you know, defensive backs coach Brady Jackson went over there to talk to Porter. And I think that the reason why that is happening 
is because well, Porter in that situation by throwing the ball back at Pickens caused what would have been a 15-yard penalty. You know, there was a lot of things on that play that that didn't go right for George Pickens. I mean, he appeared to be offensive pass interference, taunting on his end at the end of the play. So it would have been a huge negative play for the offense in a game-like setting that just got wiped away because he threw the ball back. And not only did he, you know, it also could lead to him being removed from the game and things like that. So you can't let people get into your head. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it it is what it is. But Pickens, he's getting a little bit of a reputation as a possible diva in the making. You know, Pickens stated about the coverage and the matchup between himself and Joey Porter. He said, oh, yeah, that was great coverage. I mean, that was outstanding coverage. That was good technique. And then followed with, you know, it's just like Michael Jordan and AI, Allen Iverson. <laughs> Sometimes he got a good D, better, better offense per George Pickens. So, you know, to me, I think that's a little bit of a dig. You know, you say, hey, man, you got a good D, but I'm better than you, no matter what. You know, he is giving him a compliment and saying, hey, you're like Allen Iverson, but he's the GOAT. He's the best there ever is or ever was, right? Yeah, I think he should tone it down a little bit, in my opinion. You know, I think it was a dig at Porter, but it does underscore, you know, Pickens' confidence and and determination to excel at the highest level. You know, this is going to be a a difficult task for Coach Tomlin because Pickens walks a line between arrogance, self-assuredness, and and humility. You know, Coach T is going to have to play a pivotal role in guiding his growth and maintaining a harmonious team dynamic uh, throughout not just training camp in this upcoming season, but the entire rest of Pickens' career if he ends up staying in the black and gold. You know, we all saw what ended up happening with, with A.B. and, you know, our Antonio Brown. That's just, it was unfortunate. And, you know, a lot of folks are saying that maybe perhaps Pickens is that Antonio Brown in the making. Uh, Coach T likes his players to, you know, for him to have to say whoa and not sick him. George Pickens is definitely a guy you got to say whoa to. And he's going to push that boundary with with Coach T. We'll see how this relationship works. You know, I'm excited for it. I think that, you know, Pickens has the ability to play through it. He can back his words. You know, he's made some incredible catches. So we'll see. We'll see. Now, as far as my dark horse prediction for team MVP that I've been stating since before training camp started uh, was Deontay Johnson. And he's made a few viral plays of his own, had a couple of impressive catches, but what I've liked and what I've heard of Deontay Johnson is that it's his vocalization. Apparently he's been a, he's had an increase in vocal presence on and off the field. Um, he's being a leader and that's kind of what the Steelers need, especially in a young room um, that they have, you know, Allen Robinson has come in. Apparently he's been one of these guys that also has, you know, elevated the leadership in the room. And I think maybe that has a lot to do with why maybe Deontay Johnson feels more comfortable being a leader as well. But all these receivers look good, and I think that there's a reason for it. And <laughs> that reason is KP8, Kenny Pickett. Now, he's come to training camp. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. Uh, the deep throws have been apparent through uh, training camp so far. Not just the fact that the use of the deep throw, but the um, the ability, the, the look of the ball just falling out of the air on, like, on a dime onto, like, for instance, Calvin Austin, who's known for his speed. So, you know, to get that out there, you got to really, really fling it out there. And so that way you don't 
underthrow a guy with that with that kind of speed. But as I stated before, I think Matt Canada's on the hot seat. And I think this team is going to have to do better than average for Canada to keep his job. And I've been saying it. I think that this team's going to have to get aggressive and imaginative. And thus far in training camp, the word around the street is this is a very imaginative offense, very creative, very aggressive. Um, it's not as predictable as it was in the past. And I'm excited. I think that the players that are on this team offensively, uh, there's some nightmares out there, some mismatch nightmares. And we're going to be talking about one of them here in a minute. And, you know, if, if Canada can just let it loose and let these guys do what they do, I think the ceiling is unlimited. But as I was talking about the rookies, there's one rookie who stands tall, <laughs> pun intended, uh, amongst the rest, and that is Darnell Washington. You know, I think he's had an an impressive performance in week one of training camp with pads on. You know, prior to that, it seemed like he was struggling a little bit, but since the pads on, he's turned it around. He's one of those guys that looks different in pads than they do in shorts and a helmet, in a good way. It's you know, you've heard of those um, players who are very impressive during OTAs, mini camp, and beginning portions of training camp where pads aren't you know, a part of that equation and they disappear. And uh, this is the opposite. He, he was having a little bit of trouble throughout training camp since the pads come on. Boom. But I think that also has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, George Pickens was talking about um, university of Georgia, uh, their practice and how every day is padded practice. It's 100% no matter what. So maybe perhaps it's all, that's all Darnell Washington needed. You know, he's, he's accustomed to just practicing in pads, but during the backs, on backers drill in particular against TJ Watt. Darnell Washington showed up. Coach Tomlin vocally called him out, said, every time I see him 90, I want to see you pointing towards Washington, referencing TJ Watt. Washington stepped into the challenge, you know, faced up against the former defensive player of the year and won two reps. You know, he got a, an approval nod by coach D who then shortly after said, Hey, 80, 56 over there. Next time he shows, Meaning, the next time that Alex Highsmith was coming up for back on backers, he wanted to see what Darnell Washington had to do or what was able to do it with him. Now, Alex ended up winning the, the rep, but it wasn't what you would have expected. You would have expected, you know, just like TJ Watt for it to be a, a situation where they manhandled a rookie. And, and that wasn't the case. You know, it was a win, but Washington held his own. You know, his resolute showing that he can dominate in the spotlight. This is one of the reasons why he is my biggest draft steal, in my opinion. Now, as far as offensive surprises, I think there's one offensive surprise that's caught everybody by surprise, so to speak. And that's Anthony McFarland. He just keeps making big play after big play and no one can seem to stop him. Uh, Coach Tomlin stated on McFarland, he looks like a guy who's been in this environment and he has. Oftentimes, we talk a lot about Splash, and Splash gets a lot of attention. One of the points we're trying to drive home is that professionals need to make routine plays routinely. And Tomlin continued and said, and I think that is, that's been the thing that's gotten our attention regarding him. The routine play, the option route, the ball in the flat, the flare, and the things of that nature. He is doing routine things very well, and that is important. I think it's important too, you know, um, and if, it's one of those things that we have often complained 
when it comes to like Deontay Johnson, where you know everybody says, you know, his drop rate isn't that bad, this, that, and a third, right? But it's when things are are at their most weight, you know, cost the most or you know, the moments are the most heaviest, is when sometimes we see those drops or those type of things. You know, failing to do some of the routine plays routinely in those situations. You know, a uh, dropping a pass in his hands off of a short screen or or a slant where it's a third down wide open. And I'm referencing Deontay Johnson against uh, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, in, in the game that the Steelers lost, you know, with Mitch Trubisky there. So, you know, he he. That that one play sticks out to me, you know. It was a third down. Steelers make that play. That that game was so close, the Steelers could have won that. And so when you when you talk about Anthony McFarlane and and what coach is excited about, it's about those routine things and being able to do those things, not just when, you know, it's first down, but also when it's third down late in the season. And for McFarlane, he's got his back against the wall. He didn't make the fifty three last year. There's no guarantee he's gonna make the team this year. There's no guarantee that um, he's not going to be waived or cut or any of those things. So his back is up against the wall. This is a very pressure moment for McFarland. He's stepping up to the to the plate, so to speak. You know, his route running has been crisp. His speed and his agility has really popped off. You know, the first two routes that he ran were real routes, where Quan Alexander and Tanner Moose just could not keep up with the speed and quickness. Those receptions turned into touchdowns. And so you know, I'm excited about about Anthony McFarland. I think that he can potentially be a uh, change of pace kind of guy. I don't see him having much of a role on special teams. Um, you know, he's not going to have much of a role on offense. You know, with Najee Harrison and, and Jalen Warren in front of him, it's going to be maybe a handful of plays that he comes in for. And he's going to have to make the best of those moments. But we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to be talking about the defensive side. So stay tuned. Here's a few words from our sponsors. Hey, check it out. You made it back to the other side. Welcome back to Steel Curtain Network. Welcome back to State of Steelers. I'm Daniel J. Before we uh, get into the defense and the first you know, week of training camp, uh, back to the discussion, I want to talk to you guys about our great Steeler coverage at SteelCurtainNetwork.com. That's where you get your – it's your nonstop shop for, for Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage, constant updates, injury news, injury updates, acquisition updates, signing updates, even, even those that, you know, probably won't make the team that you're, you know, if anything, our practice squad players, you'll get the, all the details on those guys. Stay up to date on stillcurrentnetwork.com. Um, also while you're there or while you're searching up Steelers and still current network, still curtain network, check out our other podcasts, you know, and don't forget on Monday myself. And usually it's Shannon White will be on the hangover, but this week we have a special guest, big bro. Sco will be on the show. So um, Shannon's going on vacation, so Big Bro's going to be taking a uh, step in. Uh, so you don't want to miss it. You can check us out 5 p.m. Eastern on YouTube at stillcurrentnetwork.com. Make sure you go like and subscribe. 
uh, you get a chance to see us, you know, see our face and, and, and you can communicate through the, uh, through the live chat. So it's a, it's a good conversation. Go check it out. If, if you prefer to just listen to it, it'll be aired Monday night um, on the audio side. But you know, when you listen to that, go check out Jeff Hartman on let's ride Brian, Anthony Davis on uh, bad language, Dave Schofield on, on the, uh, the scat geek, stat geek, and so much more, so much more, but let's get back into it. Let's talk about the first week of training camp and let's talk about the defense. And the first player that I want to talk about is a guy that the Steelers believe in his potential and have paid him handsomely recently because of that belief. And that is Alex Highsmith and his performance in the first week of padded camp has left no doubt that the Pittsburgh Steelers made the right decision in paying him a hefty four-year extension at $68 million. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure here. You know, Highsmith faces the weight of expectations that comes with such an investment and, you know, his performance on the field. So he he looks to build on, you know, I know a lot of people say when you get paid, it's based on what you're going to do, not what you did. But what Alex Highsmith has done um, was, you know, move up and have a remarkable 14 and a half sack season last year. Right. In my opinion, that was stepping up to the plate at a very precious moment and a, and a high pressure moment. And to see him come back after his, his pay and, and still continue to perform at a high level, you know, throughout training camp, that is, is huge. You know, there's a lot of stories out there of those players who've gotten their, their money, gotten the bag and then disappeared. You know, TJ Watt wasn't one of those. He got the money and then became defensive player of the year. I'm not saying that Alex Highsmith is on the same trajectory or in the same uh, path, but, it sure would be, um, it'd be nice, you know, to have Alex Highsmith rise up to that level and show that he's not just a, a Robin to a Batman, that he can be a, a Superman to Batman. We'll see. Because right now the question on everyone's mind is, can he live up to the hive and deliver consistently under the spotlight? You know, his initial response to that spotlight has been nothing short of electrifying, in my opinion. And why, you know, what sets Alex apart? And I think it's his unparalleled repertoire of pass rushing moves. In particular, his spin move. You know, it's become his signature weapon, in my opinion. You know, this, in training camp, he's left Dan Moore and rookie Bodrick Jones looking like a turntable at times. So, you know, you, you, you top that off with, <clears throat> you know, partnering up with former defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, and hopefully a healthy TJ Watt. Last season, he was there. But he wasn't himself. You know, he he missed more than half of the season with an injury. And then when he was on the field, it, it wasn't TJ Watt. And the opposition knew that. You know, offenses knew that. So they weren't double covering or double double manning a, an injured TJ Watt. They were moving protection towards Alex Highsmith's side because they knew TJ Watt was injured. Now, they still had to respect him and things of that nature. But uh, TJ Watt, that is. But it was clear last season that the opposition were more concerned with Alex Highsmith throughout the season than TJ Watt due to his injury. A healthy TJ Watt though, you have to respect that man. And you also have to remember that there's Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward inside there. This pass rush is going to be dominant in my opinion. As long as health prevails, I think this is going to be the sack leader of the NFL again, the Steelers are. And, you know, there's a good chance that we might have, um, not just the Steelers as a team having the most sacks in the season, but maybe even one of these individual players 
you know, stepping up and becoming the sack leader for the entire NFL individually. We'll see. We'll see. You know, the Steelers pass rush has long been, you know, has been their, um, their weapon, their potent weapon. You know, that's what they do. You know, um, the NFL is a league of where defenses are constantly evolving, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. But one of, you know, for me, though, the formula for success for the Pittsburgh Steelers remains the same. And that's menacing pass rush. You know, throughout the years, that's what we have known the Pittsburgh Steelers to to bring. And so with Highsmith's presence alongside Watt, and this is going to be a relentless attack from both sides. This is the stuff of nightmares for offensive coordinators. Now, continuing on the defense, one of the most notable figures as far as veterans um, is, is Patrick Peterson. You know, he's a revered cornerback with a, you know, he's a feature Hall of Famer. You know, he's making some big waves by being versatile in camp so far. He's also being a mentor to the young players in the DB room. Uh, you know, in, in the landscape of the NFL, experience often shines through. And Patrick Peterson, you know, exemplifies that principle, in my opinion. You know, you see him out there doing the right things, being a team player, mentoring. Yeah, it's it is what it is. I mean, he's going to be a candidate for the future Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you know, honestly, he's shown a little slowdown um, to father time. You know, he has polished skills and an undeniable presence. You know, there was a play there where he broke up a pass against Pat Firemuth in the end zone where it was, you know, Peterson's agility and anticipation you know, were, were needed and on full display. You know, it's one of those situations where he's able to execute a crucial defensive play on the goal line against a top seven tight end, top five tight end in the league, goes up, high points the ball, and knocks it out. I really like what Peterson is able to do. And, you know, notably, Peterson's role in the field is not confined, confined to a static position, which I think is what's really making, you know, which is magnifying his, um, his worth on the team. You know, as the, as the Steelers strategically move him around, is it because he's good at all these positions? Right? I mean, it, it becomes evident his adaptability is pretty key, but I think it also has to do with the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are very impressed with Joey Porter Jr. Now, you know, we talked earlier in the top of the show that Joey Porter got mossed by George Pickens and you know, all these other things, right? But in that viral catch, Porter had stellar positioning. And like I said earlier, Pickens can just do things other humans just can't do. You know, Porter also shows shows some maturity, in my opinion. You know, his attitude and approach, uh, especially expressed after his post-practice remarks referencing the play he had with Pickens. You know, Porter stated, we are teammates. So we want the best out of each other. At the end of the day, we are going to talk a little, but it's never going to get past that. Porter then continued, I'm always hungry to get better, to get my wins, 
to, he got it today. Tomorrow I'm going to get mine or try to get mine. And if I don't, I'm going to keep going until I get mine. That's how I roll. You know, I really like that attitude. You know, he could have easily said, oh, man, that guy was, you know, past interference. He could have come up with a bunch of excuses as to why this you know, could happen. He took his he took his um, his wounds. He licked his wounds and kept on going. And he's ready. And not only is he ready, but a little bit later, he got his first interception of camp. You know, Mr. Trubisky threw the ball down the sideline. Um, and, 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 uh, Joey Porter ended up coming out with a pick, you know, high pointed the ball, jumped up, caught the ball and then returned it for like 30 yards. You know, so for me, I think he's having a strong, strong, um, training camp. Now I get it. Viral catches tend to steal the limelight, but it's Porter's consistent contributions and dedication to the grind. That cannot be underestimated, in my opinion. I'm excited for this young man, and I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to have a a huge role on this defense early on. You know, Quan Alexander, like we mentioned earlier, he's new to the team. You know, his arrival with a chip on his shoulder is symbolic for the Steelers' commitment to the revamp of the inside linebacker room, though. You know, last year, Devin Bush, my opinion, lacked heart and physicality and all that was missing. And with the addition of not just Quan Alexander, but, you know, you're looking at Cole Holcomb, Landon Robertson, who I mentioned, tattooed John Levitt earlier. I mean, they have injected physicality, intensity, and heart into this defensive unit at the heart of the team. I mean, this middle linebacker position is the heart of the defense. And as the pads have come on, it is definitely more visible. And I'm really excited about this defense. I really am. Now, amidst the marquee names emerging uh, through the dusk is Elisha Riley and a guy that I said before training camp had a possibility of making this 53. He's been consistent. He's had multiple interceptions and multiple disruptive plays off the edge. You know, could this guy be a bigger Mike Hilton, Mike Hilton 2.0? Possibly, possibly. The Steelers have been looking for his replacement since he's left and have, you know, are continuing to. I mean, they, to be honest, this offseason, they acquired a few different players that I feel that they were going to try out for the position. It's kind of similar to throwing a bunch of mud up against the wall and seeing which one sticks. Well, it looks like Elijah Riley might be sticking. Now, my surprise for the defense, well, you know, usually it's like in the offense, it was a good surprise. Not so much on the defensive side. You know, while train camp typically serves as a uh, proving ground for emerging talents and established stars, well, there are oftentimes are some of these unforeseen twists. Uh, there are good twists, but on occasion, like I mentioned, there are some bad ones. And for, for Keanu Benton, uh, thus far, it has been the latter. You know, Keanu Benton, the second-round rookie, who has been known as a run stopper, found himself facing an unexpected struggle on the very first day of pads. I mean, this honestly was a matchup that caught everybody, including an analyst, off guard. Benton encountered challenges when pitted against the big, the strong, the well-lengthy, and I'm being very sarcastic when I say those things, 
Kendra Green. <laughs> you know, in my opinion, you know, Kendra Green is a player who's in danger of not even making the 53-man roster. You know, he didn't even dress last season. And so, you know, you have this guy who Keanu Benton is long, lengthy, big guy, strong dude, which was the weakness for Kendra Green in the last couple of years because of Kendra Green being smaller and not having, you know, the size. But on two reps, Green showcased his ability to just handle Benton. You know, I think it's a little bit of a concern there. You know, this is a guy that I think a lot of people were were hoping could make a huge impact on this defense right away. And, you know, there are going to be a lot better interior offensive linemen in the NFL than Kendrick Green. And it, by all, all accounts, it sounds like he was handled pretty well. I don't know. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. It's the first week of training camp in pads. He's still learning. No, he'll, he'll come up. He'll come up. Maybe by the time uh, preseason comes around in the regular season, Keanu Benton will be up to speed and where we expect him to be at. But, you know, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys for tuning in. And if you're on Apple podcast, don't forget to give us a five star rating. You know, share this, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Well, I'll see you guys on Monday with uh, Big Brosco. That being said, I'm Daniel J. This is State of the Steelers on Steel Current Network. Peace.